0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. If you'll go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 32 book of Exodus chapter 32, and I'll begin reading there with verse 7, Exodus chapter 32 and verse 7, oh praise the Lord, and the Lord said unto Moses, go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sanctified or sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Can you imagine this? And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. In other words, we'll just wipe them into oblivion, and we'll start all over with you, Moses. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land. That I have spoken will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord, and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. A lot of times when we think of the word repent, and it's mentioned twice in this passage, we think of it in our own way of viewing it, in our own definition of it as sin being related to it. But in this particular instance, it wasn't sin because there's no sin in the character of God. It wasn't sin that he was repenting of. But repentance in its basic nature means to turn in an opposite direction. Repentance here really means that God relented to the request of of Moses that God responded to the prayer of this man. And so for the next few minutes, with the Lord's help, I want to preach, It Happened After Prayer. It Happened After Prayer. We want the Lord to touch us tonight. We need His Spirit to anoint us. How many wants the Lord to help you in this place? The Spirit of the Lord to speak to you in the remainder of this service. Would you open up your heart to the Lord right now and let's pray together that God would touch us and help us in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we need your anointing. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to work. We're praying, God, that you would touch the lives of people that have gathered in this room tonight. Pray, God, that you would strengthen us, strengthen our faith, strengthen God, us in our prayer journey, in our lives living for you. Help us to realize the power of it. Help us, God, to once again... Be fervent in prayer. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And could the church say amen? Amen. Why don't you give a hand clap of praise to the Lord? Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. Let me say right here from the outset some very obvious things, and Probably fundamental things when it comes to us as apostolics. But it does not matter what you are facing, it really doesn't matter what you are going through. If you want to come up out of it, if you want to make it through it, it only happens after prayer. There's some battles, there's some trials, there's some temptations, there's some valleys. There's some situations in life that it doesn't matter how much human will that you have. It doesn't matter how much human strength that you possess. It doesn't matter how much ability that you have on your own. You cannot make it through it without uh, finding that source through prayer of having God's strength and having God's spirit to guide you and direct you. Yeah, I believe what the scripture says in James chapter number 5 and verse 16 that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. There's some things that just don't happen until we pray. You know, a lot of times we try to get the cart before the horse and uh, we don't realize that in God's economy, in God's kingdom, there's certain prerequisites. There's certain things that have got to be done in order, in order for us to see the result, in order for us to come to the right conclusion. Uh, You can't circumvent those things. You can't make it around those things. There's no shortcut to those things. But they have to first be done in order for us to see the desired result. We know and we talk about the power of the Holy Ghost in a Christian's life and how needful. It is for us to walk in the Spirit day by day. But in order for a person to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost according to God's Word, there must first be repentance in an individual's life. You don't get the Spirit of the Lord uh, just by, by showing up at the altar, but you've got to put something on that altar. You've got to repent of your sins. And as I've already stated, that means turning away from your sins and going in an opposite direction of your sin. Only then are you a candidate for receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we know that we have instances in the Bible where people received the Holy Ghost before they were baptized. But nobody received the gift of the Holy Ghost except they first repented. And if you received the gift of the Holy Ghost before you were baptized in Jesus' name, you received it on credit that you would be baptized in Jesus' name. There I find instances in the Word of God where the apostles commanded those that had received the Holy Ghost to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Praise God. So we understand that before the Holy Ghost promise can be fulfilled in somebody's life, they first have to repent. That's not the only thing. But there's many things that only come to pass as we put them in order in our life. We we know that God responds to needs. We know that God works and performs miracles. I'm thankful that He still heals the sick. I'm thankful that He still delivers people from sin. I'm thankful that He still works through our prayers to perform miracles. I have many occasions in my life where I prayed prayers and and, uh, and I knew that it wasn't because uh, of just the need alone and by itself that got God to respond to that, but it was a prayer that was prayed in faith that God responded to. So what are you trying to say? A need is not enough, as I often state, for you to receive your miracle, to get get a breakthrough here tonight or, or to get deliverance but you have to have faith mixed with that you have to extend that faith to God you have to employ that faith in a church service just like this and not allow that faith just to be dormant and just present a need but say God I believe in you at your word that you are a miracle worker I believe in you at your word that you're able to work in this situation I believe in you at your word that you're able to save, that you're able to set free, that you're able to touch my life. Amen. It takes faith, and then God can meet the need. Amen. We talk about that incorruptible crown of righteousness that at the end of this race, when life is through or the rapture takes place, when time shall be no more, as the Scripture says, that we're going to inherit we read about it in the epistles, that, that incorruptible crown of righteousness. And I'm looking forward to that. I've never seen one. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But that's what I'm striving for. That's what I'm pursuing. That's what I'm in this faith walk for, is to someday receive that crown of righteousness. But before I can receive that crown, I've got to visit the cross. Amen. A lot of people want to talk about the crown, but they don't want to talk about the cross. They don't want to talk about being humble before God. They don't want to talk about coming and kneeling their knees in repentance. They don't want to speak about allowing the blood to be applied to their life. Matter of fact, the cross has been taken out of a lot of Christianity songs, the cross has been taken out of a lot of churches. But you're in a church tonight that still believes in the power of the cross. You're in a church tonight that still believes that without the cross uh, there's no testimony. Without the cross uh, there's no true deliverance. Uh, Without the cross uh, we're susceptible to go back to sin. But because of the cross we don't have to go back to what we used to be. It's because of the cross uh, that we can live victorious. Uh, You know what the greatest symbol of victory is? It's the cross uh, of Jesus Christ. If you're for what he done for you at Calvary. You ought to lift up your voice and give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We like to, we like to talk a lot about revival. What are, what are you trying to say here? I'm trying to tell you there's an order to things, and you can't get one before the other. In God's economy, you got to follow the order. Everything is done in decency and in order, the Scripture says. And sometimes we try to go to the end of the line when first we need to implement this. We need to take care of the first stages of the thing before we try to move on and graduate to the end of the line. That's what I'm preaching tonight. We preach about revival. We talk about the blessings of God. You're looking at one preacher that doesn't believe that the days of revival are over. I still believe that God wants to pour out His Spirit. I still believe that God is able to work in a mighty way. I don't believe we have to look in the past. We don't have to look back to the pioneer days of Pentecost. We don't have to look back to brush harbors and talk about a move of God. I'm thankful for those moves of God. I'm thankful for those occasions. I'm thankful for everything we've seen in the past. I'm thankful for our history. I'm thankful for our heritage. Well, oh, but thanks be to God we can know that right now He can do whatever He has done in the past. He can do in this service. He can change lives here right now. He can work in situations. He can turn things around. He can perform miracles right here in this house tonight. Amen. I believe in revival. I believe what the Bible says. I believe we ought to be having revival until the rapture comes. I believe we ought to be having real Holy Ghost church every time we come in this place. We ought to have a move of God. We ought to see the promises of God fulfilled. We ought to see a touch of the Holy Ghost in every service. I don't believe we need any miscues in the Holy Ghost. We don't need any time off. We need God to move at every occasion we come together. Come on, let's clap our hands and give it praise. That's right. But a lot of people want to circumvent the need for intercession and crying out. It was the prophet said that said, "What's this strange sound? What's this strange what's this strange folklore that I'm hearing coming from the people?" That says that you can give birth without there being travail. Without there, in other words, being intercession. When there's no cry that goes forth, there can be no birth. There can be no revival. There can be no move of God. I'm going to tell you, a real old-fashioned, powerful Holy Ghost revival comes when people know how to pray. Know how to get a hold of God. And I'm not talking about those just this, this passive prayers and pious prayers where we just come and we just mumble the same words over and over again. But I'm talking about prayers that come from your innermost being. I'm talking about prayers that come from deep down in your belly. I'm talking about prayers uh, that shake you to your core. I'm talking about prayers that are made with tears. Uh, I'm talking about prayers that are made uh, in crying out to God. Sometimes you got to use your vocal cords uh, to get an answer. Sometimes you got to lift up your voice. Uh, That's why the prophet said, "Cry out and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet." I'm telling you, times get so desperate. If you want a revival, you got to learn how to cry out for what. You got to learn how to seek God. Amen. You got to learn how to intercede before Him. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. And that's what it takes. Oftentimes, Amen. We need to get it back in order. We need to put first things first. My Bible says, uh, if, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. You want, a, you want an answer? You want a breakthrough? You want to hear from heaven? I'll tell you what, first of all, you got to get beyond this old flesh. you got to get beyond your pride. you got to quit worrying about what somebody else may say or think about you. And you got to get down to business talking to God and pray and cry out to him. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, pray, amen, prayer, Involves humility. It's impossible to get a prayer through with pride in your heart. It's impossible to get a real answer from God with pride in your heart. But if you're willing to humble yourself before God, you can get an answer from the Lord. Oh, prayer can heal your body. Prayer can give you direction. Amen. Anybody ever been confused? Anybody ever felt lost? I'm not talking about lost in sin as much as just felt lost in life. Brother Lorman alluded to it tonight. What's going on here? Anybody ever had that question in your mind? Prayer can give you clarity. Prayer can give you clear-eyed vision about situations. Prayer can open up your eyes. Amen. I see it in the Word of God. Matter of fact, there was a young servant that was with his man of God, the prophet Elisha, And he looked out and he said, man, we're surrounded by the enemy. He was only seeing the negative. He was only seeing the bad. He was only seeing the pandemic. He was only seeing the situation that was out of hand. He was only seeing the rioting. And he was only seeing a country that was devolving in confusion. Oh, but the prophet said, I'm going to lay my hands on you and pray. And clarity is going to come. You're going to get fresh vision. You're going to realize that the, the church was made for this moment. The church needs to bring clarity to this situation. This is not a time for the church to advocate its responsibility. This is not a time for the church to get in reverse and back up and, and step away from culture, step away from the society. It's time for the church to step up and be what the church was designed to be and that's be a voice in this world that says there's hope here, there's help here, there's strength here, there's salvation here, there's miracles here, there's peace here. Oh, come on. Let's give praise to him right now. Let's give worship to him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, we're not going to let culture define the church. I think the church really ought to be the other way around. It ought to be impressing upon the culture. It ought to be impacting the culture and society that is around it. I want to be salt. I want to be light in these last days. I don't want to be affected by all of that. Yeah. Prayer can help you overcome temptation. Prayer... Can settle you down when you feel like you're about to lose your mind. Amen. Prayer can, can raise you up and elevate you to a place where you can see further. See beyond just what is near and what you're faced with at the moment. Uh, uh, that's what happened in the Word of God with Hosea. Is he was elevated up, and he was able to see a little further. God showed him some things. And that's what needs to happen to the church in these last days. And it can only happen as we pray and as we get a hold of God. Old timers used to, used to say, if you pray, you probably know it, you stay. And if you fast, boy, that's a bygone word, isn't it? fast you will last it sound very simple but I'm going to tell you it's it's a it's a thing that we've gotten away from if you don't have a habit of prayer you probably can't stick around come on with the pressure we got going on in this world today you think you're just going to be able to make it on your human will you think you're strong enough just to make the right choices and decisions and stand up to the pressure just based on your ability or maybe even your past consecration, you need to have a fresh, present-day consecration with God. You need a prayer life that is alive and, and relative. You need a prayer life that, that, is, that is going on presently. You, you, need a, you need a prayer life that is an everyday experience. Come on, we see a pattern of that in the Word of God. We know that the Scripture says Jesus teaching His disciples how to pray. Uh, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Come on, you don't know what you're going to face down the tracks. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. But if you can get what you need today, maybe it'll sustain you when you get there. If you can get the strength that you need right now, you'll be able to overcome when that test arrives, when that situation raises its ugly head in your life. If you've been taking daily care of yourself through prayer, you'll be able to stand up to it. It's that person that's been uh, negating uh, the opportunity to pray and to get a hold of God that's going to find themselves weak in the times of temptation. Another well-worn phrase that used to be used a lot, if you pray right, you can stay right. How many have ever heard that one? You know, we talk about praying, but you know, There's some right ways to pray, and there's some wrong ways to pray. That's right. And there's some ways that we can learn from examples in the Word of God, the Scripture. But I'm going to tell you one of the most effective ways for a saint of God, particularly a new convert, to learn how to pray is to get around somebody that knows something about the pathways of prayer. Most of us learn because we hung around with people that knew how to touch God and knew how to pray. Do I have a testimony? Most of us, we learned how to get a hold of the Lord because we knew people that knew how to get a hold of God. And that's why in these prayer services before church, there needs to be, can I just talk to you just a little bit, there needs to be... This this house needs to verberate with prayer because there's people that are coming in that need to, to to learn from us how how to pray and how to get a hold of God. You know, sometimes we forget that when folks come and and they're not around this and they've not been raised in this, that this is different and. And, and things that, that are unfamiliar to them and they, they don't understand everything and and to get out here and to lift up their voice in prayer is, is something that they're unaccustomed to and maybe a little sheepish about but if there was a, enough folks that said I'll take the lead and I'll be the example and I'll pray and I'll get a hold of God I'll lift up my voice amen then they could see how it's done and they'll get involved and it'll catch hold and others will be praying fervently it's the factual fervent prayer of a righteous man that veileth much. I want to be a prayer warrior. I recently heard someone say to pray when you feel like it. Pray when you feel like it because it is sin to neglect such an opportunity. And then they went on to say pray when you don't feel like it because it's dangerous to stay in that condition. And I tell you, that's so true. I've told this over and over again. But, but if you want to love reading your Bible, then, then what you need to do is get your flesh under subjection and say, I'm going to set some time aside and just give it a certain amount of time each day for a while to read the Word of God, and it won't be long till you'll crave that time reading the Word of the Lord. Same is true with prayer. Somebody said, well, I'm going to tell you, this flesh, this flesh doesn't always like to pray. And there's nothing that the devil would like to distract. There's nothing he would rather keep you from than praying and getting a hold of God. Because he knows that's your lifeline. He knows that's your power source. He knows if he can keep you disconnected, if he can keep you busy, if he can keep you distracted, if he can keep you doing something else or thinking about something else and hinder your focus when it comes to prayer, he'll keep you from that life source and you'll get weaker by the day. He knows that if you ever plug in and get recharged through prayer, he's in a whole lot of trouble. And some of us, sadly, we depend upon the worship service to get our tank full. Oh, it's getting quiet in here now, isn't it? We depend on the worship service and it has its part. It has its place in our life. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm going to tell you it's a whole lot more effective and you connect and get through a whole lot quicker and you receive so much more from the church service if you've had a habit of praying before you get here. Because when you get here you're already in tune. You've already got an ear that can hear what the Spirit is saying because you're not trying to get through all the 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 things that are going on in your life and through the week. Trying to weed through all of that to get down to to receiving something from God. But you've already connected. You've already been making that connection. You've already been talking to God. You've already been seeking God. Hallelujah. Prayer. That's that's where it's at. So many times there's people that are willing. I'm going to hurt you now. There's a lot of folks that are willing to worship a God that they won't pray to. They're willing to praise a God that they won't pray to. I'm going to tell you there's no power in that that's why so many of those folks are shallow that's why so many times when temptation comes along they have no power to resist it that's why so many times their life looks like a bad EKG up and down up and down I'm going to tell you if you want to be stable if you want to walk right if you want to be here in longevity you need to learn how to pray and get a hold of God because prayer will affect you not just for a little while it'll affect you for a long time oh come on let's lift up our voice and let's talk to God let's examine this text just a little while here tonight amen everybody still with me God has just delivered the children of Israel The Bible says with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm They had written, and this is a figure of speech, on eagles' wings they had been delivered. In other words, just like a mother eagle lifts up that eaglet over the storm and over the troubles. It's almost like they didn't have to experience the pain of a battle and a fight, but God did it for them, and what a miraculous thing it was. And they had just made a commitment and a promise to God that they would follow his commands. And yet when Moses goes up into the mountain, he goes up into Mount Sinai for just a little while, temporarily. And once he is there, he gets delayed. The Bible tells us that he's there in the presence of the Lord receiving these great revelations from God. And I want you to feel this with me, but... Uh, I I, I want to ask the question, where would you rather be? Would you rather be down there with those grumbling people? Would you rather be down there uh, in the midst of those that are uh, untrusting, obstinate? Those that are grumbling and complaining and murmuring? Or would you rather be in the presence of the Lord? Would you rather be receiving face-to-face time? With God. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, never has there been a greater spiritual high recorded in the scripture, followed. By any such extreme low as this particular text. I mean this guy is in the mountain with God and God is speaking to him directly. God has given him things he's given no other man up until this point. He was receiving great revelations of truth. He, he is receiving uh, time in the presence of the Lord and God is speaking directly to him. Moses in the mountain is much like us when we come to the house of God. We get in the presence of the Lord. We, we feel the presence of the Lord. And we don't want to leave this place. We don't want to leave this, this connection that we have. have you ever been in an apostolic church service and said, you know, if I could just go from from here to heaven, this would be awesome. Anybody ever, I mean, you honest. And man, if I could, you know, some people, sad to say, some people, that's probably the only way they're going to be saved is that they leave on a Sunday night and the rapture takes place or their heart stops beating when they leave the church service and they never have another temptation, another problem, and never diff- another difficulty in their life. That, that might be the only way that they're ever saved. Of course, that's nobody here tonight. But, But nevertheless, we have to come down at some point, don't we? Nevertheless, uh, we we gotta we gotta step off that mountaintop experience back into the real world at some point. We have to get down down to where real real life is lived out. We have to walk in shoe leather. We have to be reminded. You know, you ever wondered why they had to tie that that uh, that rope onto the ankle of the priest? Some people said, "Well, that's." Uh, That's so that uh, for this reason or that reason They have all kinds of explanations for that I believe it's because when they got in the presence of the Lord And there was a whole host of people that was waiting out there To find out what God said And whether he approved of them And whether their sins had been rolled ahead for another year That they had to remind him That there's a lot of anticipating people out here And you're not the only one Amen But we want to know what God says and, And I know you're enjoying the presence of God And I know that you're enjoying being in that Shekinah glory But I remind you there, and maybe they had to tug on that rope every once in a while. I know a lot of people's tried to say, well, it's perhaps because if his heart wasn't right and God struck him dead that they they could drag him out because they couldn't go in there physically themselves. But I tend to believe it was to give him a little nudge every once in a while and say, hey, you got to come back out here with the rest of us and tell us what God said. I'm going to tell you, you getting such glory and such power and such move of the Holy Ghost that you don't want to leave it. But we all have to go back to our jobs on Monday morning. We all have to go back and face life. We're all going to be confronted with things this week. Amen. But it's what we receive here that we need to take out there. It's what we get here that we need to allow to permeate the atmosphere of our jobs. We need to let it affect the environment, amen, of our, our workplace and our Families, everywhere we go, we need to take Jesus with us. Oh, come on, do you believe that? Praise God. He had to come down. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down. In other words, he had to tell him to leave. For thy people, I like that. Not my people. My people don't act like that. But thy people, which thou broughtest, Moses didn't. He was leading them under God's direction, but you understand, he didn't have a whole lot to do with actually bringing them out. He's not the one that parted the Red Sea. He's not the one that caused the ten plagues on Egypt. He's not the one that that was able to cause water to come from a rock. He's not the one that was able to cause uh, uh, shoes to never wear out and clothes never to become tattered. It wasn't Moses that was able to do that. But he said, your people, amen, they, they've turned aside so quickly. Verse 8, he said, they turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. Isn't it amazing? I want to preach to us tonight how quickly if we're not careful if you don't put something there behind you if you don't build an altar in other words and you don't put something between you and the world you could quickly go back to it amen if we're not if we're not extremely careful, you know, some people say, well, you know, I I, I, may, I may be letting down on a few things, but I, I still got the most, most of it. I, I still got most of my convictions. I still got most of my desire to live for God. I'm still, I had not given it all up. I haven't given it all in. You'll be surprised how quickly you can revert back if you don't stay close to God. If you're not willing to hear the voice of the Lord that speaks to you, if you're not willing to open up your heart to preaching of God's Word, if you're not willing to be impacted by the presence of God, if you're not willing to come to the church house at a church service and and open up your spirit and say, God, I need you to speak to me. It doesn't matter whether I like it or not. It's I want to be saved. That's what's most important. i got to be saved, so speak to me, Lord. Come on, is there anybody that really feels that way here tonight? You want to be saved more than you want anything, else, more than you want the approval of the world, more than you want that of boys of the world, more than you want to fit in with the world. You want to be saved. I want to be right with God. He said, they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I've commanded. And they have made a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, these be thy. It gets worse all the way through this scripture. It starts out, they have made them a molten calf. They have worshipped it. And they went even further. They didn't just get out there and dance around it as we like to talk about. They sacrificed to this thing. That's what the Bible says. And even went so far to say, These be thy gods, O Israel, which has brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. They're taking glory that belongs to God. You want to know what idol worship is? It's taking glory that belongs to God and giving it to another. It's a distortion of worship that belongs to God. It's taking something that was intended for God only and giving it to something else. And somebody said, we don't have idol worship in America in the 21st century. I I pray tell you, we got a lot of idol worship. Idol worship uh, can be anything that, that is intended for God, that is given to that. And, and if you worship that, and it means more to you than the things of God, it's an idol to you. I'm going to just tell you, if, 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 uh, if Hollywood celebrities influence you more than the things of God, you've got a problem. I'm going to tell you, sports... Heroes get more worship and more arousal out of you than the things of God. You've got a problem. I'm going to tell you that if money and materialism, career and education means more to you than God does, you've got a problem. Amen. You need to realize that's an idol in my life. Identify it for what it is and say, I'm going to tear down that idol. I'm not going to be a worshiper of those things. I'm going to be a worshiper of God and him alone. Come on, there's nobody that deserves our worship like God deserves our worship. There's nobody that deserves our praise like He deserves our praise. Don't tell me that somebody that runs with a football or dribbles a basketball deserves accolades. I'll tell you who deserves the praise. It's our God that is here today. You know, idolatry can come in various forms. Pleasure. Become lovers of pleasure. The Bible said in the last days, perilous times should come. They should be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Personalities. Amen. You know, idol worship can come into the church. Churches that are entirely built around a personality. Amen. Woo, didn't he preach good tonight? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Wasn't that wonderful? Amen. And I, 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 You know what? You don't have to worry about complimenting your preacher every once in a while because I guarantee you there's plenty of detractions. There's plenty of people that are willing to humble him down. It's like my pastor said, you're going up there to, to uh, Texarkana to learn how to pastor. And he said, there's plenty of folks up there that's willing to teach And you know what? I thought he didn't know what he was talking about. But I soon discovered he did. How did I get off on that? Why did I even say that? But anyway, what I am trying to tell you, you know, I've learned. I've been at this for 17 years, so I've learned how to do it. I'm not not saying I've learned how to do it. I've learned how to trust God, and he can help me how to do it. But what I... What I'm telling you is that we can get so focused on those things. We can worship those things more than we can worship the God who gives us the ability and the anointing and the strength and the power to be what we are. Hallelujah. Come on. That everything is going to perish in time If the Lord tarries But there's one thing that's going to stand And that's his word And so we need to be founded in the word of God We need to understand what we're worshiping here tonight We're worshiping God who redeemed us And sanctified us and made us what we are We're not worshiping man We're not worshiping the idols of this world We're not worshiping a building, a facility We're not worshiping a program We're not worshiping any of that But we're worshiping God We're here because he brought us out of darkness And he called us in into this marvelous life. That's why we're here. Somebody give him a wave offering right now. Somebody give him some praise right now. God says they are your people. I'm going to tell you, we cease to be what God wants us to be when we distort worship when we get worship messed up amen it 's important that we be worshipers of God, that we do what we do unto the Lord, that we praise him amen when you're when you 're praising him you're you 're not so concerned about Uh, human flaws. You're not so concerned about everything being smooth and perfect. You're not so concerned about whether so-and-so hit the right note or not. Well, you're not concerned about that when you're worshiping God and you're focused upon Him and you've got yourself in tune with Him. You believe that? But Moses made some intercession and I want to get into that for just a moment here. He gives us a formula for how to get prayers answered. He appeals, first of all, and if we'll follow these things, I think we could have a lot more effective prayer in our lives. He, he, he appeals, first of all, to God's fatherly affection here. Right here in verse 11, he says, the windstorm blew my page over here, I'll find it. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? He reminded God, you know they're not my people. They're your people, God. And you know something else which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power. You know I couldn't do that. It took your great power to do that. You, you, they're your people and you're the one that brought them out of Egypt. You're the one that has brought them this far. You're the one that parted the Red Sea. You're the one that gave them the miracle that they so desperately needed and brought them out of Egypt. These are your people. These are your children, God. And Moses' prayer was appealing to his love for these people. I'm reminded. I'm reminded of God and His Word. How He said in His Word over and over again. He gives us an illustration of of how that that our Father in Heaven, if if if, if the the if if we being evil, if we're willing to give good gifts to our children, how much more should our Father in heaven, if He clothes the grass and He and he raised the lily and if He feeds the sparrow, how much more will our Father, and I'm appealing God to your fatherly instincts, I'm, I'm appealing to your fatherly affection, this is a Father loves His children, He wants to protect His children, He wants to provide for His children, this is just this is something that is there this is something that you put in them this came from you God I understand your fatherly instinct I understand your affection for these people you love them so much that you brought them out of bondage you love them so much that you caused them to be amen a nation a mighty nation they come up out of nowhere and you made them something you created them for a purpose and you're taking them to Lord's a promise. I'm appealing to you. Don't give up on them now. Don't stop now. This is a principle we need to incorporate in our prayer. God, you said. How many has ever in your prayer you quoted scripture? How many has ever in your prayer you've raised the word of the Lord and said, God, right here in your word, this is what you said. If I walk uprightly, there is no good thing that you would withhold from me. That's what you said, God. You said, if I ask, I shall receive. And if I knock, it shall be open unto me. If I seek, I shall find. That's not something I come up with, but that's something you said, God. I'm just praying your words. I'm just praying what you gave me to pray. You said, cast my bread upon the water. And in many days... It would return when I need it. It's going to be there. That's what you said, God. You said if I humble myself and pray that I could hear from heaven and that you would heal my land. Oh, that's what you said, God. I'm appealing to your word. Hallelujah. Come on, let's cup our hands and give some praise to the Lord. Prayer is a powerful thing, folks. Do you realize that God is answering prayers for people that are in the grave? Do you realize that God is still working and answering prayers of people that are asleep in the Lord, that are, that are dead in Christ. Do you realize that? Matter of fact, there's some of you in this room right here. You're here because there was a grandmother, or because there was a grandfather, or maybe there was a mother or a dad that knew how to touch God, that knew how to pray. And the Bible tells us those prayers never died. Even though they've they've taken their last breath, and though their heart has, has quit beating, and though we we preached their funeral and we put them in the ground, uh, Amen. Their prayers are still going on and their prayers are still being answered. I'm telling you those prayers are still living on in the lives of people that is in this room right here tonight. God is still honoring them and God is still working in them. Many of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those prayers. And matter of fact I believe there's some prayers that are still yet to come to pass. I believe there's some prayers that are out there that they pray that God still plans to honor. God still plans to work in. God that's why we need need to get some prayers lifted up before the Lord because when we pray, God doesn't stop honoring those prayers just because we physically perish. But those prayers live on. Prayer is a powerful thing, folks. He appealed to his love for the people. The second thing he did, he appealed to his reputation. It's there in verse 12. When thou... Let me get back over here. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say? For mischief did he bring them out. To slay them in the mountains. To consume them from the face of the earth. What are you going to do? You're going to allow the Egyptians. You're going to allow the world to speak ill of your reputation, you've always had a reputation for following through with your promises. You've always had a reputation. You've always had the character that when you said it, it was going to be done. And you're going to allow them to say, Look, He delivered them. He did such a great thing for them. He changed their direction. He gave them as a people. He allowed them to become a nation. And, and established them and he brought them out of Egyptian bondage to only allow them to perish in the wilderness to only consume them in the mountains that's what he said your reputation God is not, not that way your character God is not that way that's not, the, that's not the God that I know and how he's operated oh throughout generations and what I read about and what I understand about God so he appealed to his reputation And then finally, and I want you to get this. The third thing Moses did, and the last appeal he made is in verse 13. He said, remember, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob, thy servant, to whom thou swearest thine own self and settest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all of this land that I have spoken, I will give it unto your seed. And they shall inherit it forever that hasn't happened yet God and you made a promise so he appealed to the promise that God had given to the patriarchs that extended to this group of people the children of Israel the promise that pertained to them and what they were to become and he said God you said you said they were going to be a great people that they were going to be numbered with the stars of heaven you said God that they would have all of this land for their possession, that they would be a great and mighty nation. That's what you told Abraham. That's what you told Isaac. And that's what you reminded Israel or Jacob of, is that they would become a great nation. Now, God, you can't go back on your promise. You can't go back on your word. This is what you said. I'm going to tell you there's some promises that God has extended to you. You ought to get on your feet right now. And you ought to say, God, there's some promises that you've given to me there's some promises that's been spoken over my life there's some things that I have believed for you to do and I haven't seen them fulfilled just yet so I am believing you God that you're going to fulfill your promise that you are going to make a way where there seemed to be no way that you are going to fulfill what you said you were going to do if you've got a promise you want God to fulfill why don't you raise your hands right now and let's talk Talk to him. Let's remind him of it. God, I've got a promise from you. Come on, lift up your voice, church. Lift up your voice, church. Lift up your voice, church. Come on, I can't hear you. Somebody lift up your voice. God made some promises to some people and you need to appeal to them. You need to appeal to God based on that promise. Come on, anybody have a promise that he would heal you? Anybody have a promise that he was going to meet the need? Anybody got a promise that he was going to save someone in your family? Anybody got a promise that he was going to use you in a certain way? That he was going to use and anoint you to do a certain thing? That's a promise from God. said remember what you told remember what you spoke to abraham isaac and jacob remember what you said you was going to do god you can't do this based you know what we're really seeing in this text is that god there was there was something he wanted to do he wanted he wanted to help these people he wanted to 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 not give up on these people. He wanted to save these people. He didn't bring them out to leave them. He brought them out to bring them into what he had promised for them. But what he wanted was a man to stand up and to pray. What he wanted was a man to stand up and put himself in agreement with what he already designed to do and desired to do. That's what he wanted. And that's all. God wants to do work. God wants to give revival. I remind you, God wants to fulfill his word. God wants to shake this city. God wants to work in your family. God wants to save your loved ones. But he's looking for a man or a woman in this room that will bring themselves in agreement with him and say, God, I heard you when you made the promise. God, I know what your word says and I am going to stand for it. Come on, is there anybody in this room that is desperate enough in their desire? To say, God, I come with my hands lifted, my soul surrendered. I come, I come beseeching your throne. I come with a fervent desire in my heart to see some promises fulfilled.